0: Hey, everybody, it's Brian with HarvestChurchEugene.com or Harvest Community Church here in Eugene, Oregon. We're so, so glad that you're worshiping with us here at Harvest today. Today, I want to share something um, super important with you as we continue our series, Soul Detox. Today, we're going to talk about how to detox something that, frankly, a lot of us don't really want to think about, and that's our pride And we'll talk about why that really matters in just a moment. Before we get to all of that, what I want to do today is I want to encourage you. I want to say thank you for worshiping with us. I want to say that we're so glad you're here. I want to make sure I introduce myself. I'm Brian. I'm one of our uh, pastors here at Harvest Community Church. And I want you to know that you matter to us. And so I want to encourage you to fill out a communication card. I want you to encourage you to go online, uh, you know, whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. Say hello interact with us a little bit. We'd love to know you're watching. We'd love the chance to get to know you or just to see how you're doing if we already know you. So all of that said, will you fill out our digital communication card? Um, It's in the links on YouTube and on Facebook, and we would love to hear from you. We love knowing those prayer requests, and we love knowing what's going on in your world. And of course, if there's a spiritual next step that we can help you with, we want to come alongside you and help with that. Also in the links, you'll notice that there are links for giving and various other things. And we want to say thank you, thank you to those of you who consider Harvest Your Home for being so faithful to give. Your giving really is making a, a literal world of difference. I was talking with someone uh, just earlier today and they were talking about how, how this allowed them through the pandemic where they've been so disconnected to have an anchor in their week and how much it mattered to be able to have Sundays and being able to watch online. So I just want you to know your giving makes a world of difference. And of course, if you're a guest, please know that your money is not at all uh, what we're after. We care about you. Uh, And with that said, we'd love to hear from you. And we'd love it if you'd fill out a digital communication card. Every time our guests do that, we give uh, $5 in your name and each of your family members names, if you'll give us their names, To our partners at Monroe Middle School, Monroe has a Families in Crisis Fund. Monroe is a school right here in our neighborhood, and we do all we can to support the work they do in families right here in the neighborhood. We would love to honor you with that. Can I pray for us today? Oh, I want to mention one more thing. We're working on baptism, and as we've been back together and coming back together and regathering for worship, if you're interested in being baptized, please let us know. Sometime here in the month of May, uh, we're going to work on having some baptisms. And so please, please let us know if that's something you want to participate in. So can I pray for us? Jesus, we're so thankful today for your grace and your goodness. And Jesus, we ask today that you speak to our hearts and our minds, that you work inside us as we study your word today. And Jesus, we thank you. We've already had the chance to praise you and to worship you for who you are. And so we just continue to admit that you are God and we are not. And since we are not, we need your wisdom and we need you to speak into our lives. So Jesus, speak to us now as we continue to talk about how to have a soul detox. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So we began this series on Easter called Soul Detox. And last week we were talking about what toxic behavior really is. And in a roundabout way, we've essentially said that that toxic is a modern word for what the Bible would call sinful behavior, that toxic behavior is self-centered and self-seeking. That is, it's egotistical, it's narcissistic, it's destructive and harmful, it's controlling, it's manipulative. And so we find that, that God speaks a lot against that kind of behavior. In fact, in the wisest collection of wisdom ever written in the book of Proverbs, it said that there are six things the Lord hates. This was Proverbs 6.16. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to them, to him. And we went through all of them last week. But the very first out of the gate was haughty eyes, haughty eyes, H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Those are prideful eyes, eyes that look down on others. And so toxicity begins with pride. And I hate to say it, but we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. And frankly, when it's not your pride, but somebody else's pride, you hate it too. And that's why you call it toxic. Let me give you some examples. The beginning of a soul detox comes with wisdom. We talked about last week, but that wisdom immediately forces me to deal with my pride because pride obsesses with me. In fact, insecurity obsesses with me too. I'll talk about that later, but... Pride and insecurity really are two sides of the same coin. Pride causes me to be a fool and act like a fool. Pride causes me to reject God, to to say that there is only room for one God in my heart, and it's not Jesus, it's me. It's pride that makes me believe I'm always right. It's pride that hardens my heart so that I'm not sensitive to others and how I impact them. It's my pride that refuses to be wrong. It's pride that feeds conflict in a constant way in my life and your life. It's pride that focuses only on my own opinion, believing that I am (laughs) worthy of being always right. It's pride that makes me controlling and manipulative. It's pride that makes me think I have the right to not only be angry at times, but to stay angry. It's pride that makes me want to play God in other people's lives to make their decisions for them because because I don't trust that they will make the best decision for themselves. I don't trust that, well, let's say it another way. I, I don't trust that they would do what I would do. See where pride comes into that? And it's pride that demands to be served, not to serve. So thing about what, the Bible says, particularly what the book of Proverbs says about pride. I put a bunch of these in your notes, various Proverbs, if you will. And I want you to listen closely to what happens when we embrace pride. What is it that pride leads to? Proverbs eleven two: when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. That verse is probably as key to what we'll talk about today as anything. Proverbs 13.10, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 15.25, the Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place. Proverbs sixteen eighteen and 19, you know this verse. You're familiar with it. You've heard it before. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed. Than to share plunder with the proud. Proverbs twenty one four, haughty eyes and a proud heart. The un- unplowed field of the wicked, the proud heart produces sin. Proverbs twenty one twenty-four, the proud and arrogant person, mocker is his name, he behaves with insolent fury. That prideful behavior is toxic, but is that prideful behavior that leads to a fall? Think about all of the stories in the Bible. Think about all of the characters in the Bible. When, when there was a fall, when they became powerful and prideful, that's when they fell. I think about David particularly as a king, but you can go through story after story after story, whether it's Abraham or it's Solomon or it's the disciples. You see that what Proverbs says proves true. It's why God says in Proverbs 8.13 that he hates pride and arrogance and evil behavior and perverse speech. That is to say that God hates that which is we would today call toxic. It is Proverbs 14.3, a fool's mouth that louches out with pride. Proverbs 16.5, the Lord detests all the proud of heart; They will not go unpunished. Proverbs 29 23 pride brings a person low but the lowly in spirit gain honor so why is it that pride is something hates well the bottom line is that pride is the root of our sin problem if you see a person if you see yourself wise in their own eyes thinking they've got it all figured out you're seeing a person who is in that moment filled with what the Bible calls sin and God knows what it leads to leads to the toxic as we call it in other words sin is the the fruit of our behavior and it's the root of our problem can you see that sin is both the fruit and the root well I could say that a little differently and say that toxic is the fruit and pride is the root often in our bulletin Here at Harvest Community Church, you know, the pamphlet we hand out on Sundays back when we used to be in person in church. You remember those days? You know, it feels like uh, 10, 20 years ago. We had a picture of a tree. You would see a tree with the leaves and the fruit, and then underneath you would see the tree and the roots, and it sort of mirrors, right? And so there's a connection between the roots in our lives and the fruits in our lives. And if pride is my root, then toxic sin is certainly the fruit you know Proverbs is one of the greatest contrasts collections of wisdom really ever collected and it gives us great contrast we talked about last week wisdom versus foolishness we talked about wickedness versus righteousness and today we're exploring pride versus humility and the one thing I want to teach you today the, the one thing I'm convinced of and I want to convince you of today and the singular point of this message is to convince you that pride opens the door for the toxic. And humility closes that door. Pride opens the door for the toxic and yells, come on in. Humility closes that door. Humility closes it. Pride opens the door for toxicity, and humility closes the door that pride Opens and so humility is a powerful behavior in our lives Because humility filters the pride out humility acts like a filter for my soul And so you pour my soul through and when humility is in play then it prevents The prideful from going through which in turn prevents the toxic from becoming fruitful in my life Humility prevents the toxic really before it begins. You could say that humility is preventative medicine for detoxing my soul. And aside from the power of Jesus himself to detoxify our souls, humility might be the greatest secret weapon you and I have for a soul detox because of its preventative power. think about all the Bible says about pride that we read a while ago, and how pride goes before a destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall, and contrast that with what Proverbs will say about humility. Proverbs 11, 2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes Wisdom. We read that a while ago, Proverbs fifteen thirty three. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. Proverbs eighteen twelve. Before a downfall, before a downfall, the heart is haughty; that is, it's prideful. But humility comes before honor. Proverbs sixteen nineteen. Better to be lowly in spirit, along with the oppressed, than to share plunder with the proud. Proverbs twenty two four. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. In Proverbs 20, 23, 29, 23. Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit, those who choose to be low in spirit gain honor. This is saying the same thing that Jesus was saying in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus said, Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. By poor in spirit, he wasn't speaking of physical poverty. He's was talking about soul poverty in the sense of humility, of surrender, of servanthood, of sacrifice. And think about it. Who ultimately fulfills that? Who ultimately is poor in spirit? Who ultimately chose to be poor in spirit when he didn't have to be? It was Jesus. I want you to think about how Jesus lived and how Jesus operated his life and how Jesus led others and how Jesus led his ministry. Pride is destructive and paves the way for a fall. And you never saw that in Jesus' life. Because Jesus chose to be poor in spirit when he had every reason not to. See, humility really is the way of God. And the starting point for detoxing all that is toxic in my life is going to come out of my relationship with Jesus who chose to be poor in spirit on my behalf. But it means that I have to follow him in that humility because it is humility that admits that I need Jesus at all. And the tendency in this life is to make life about me when it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus in me. But how often do we make things about me? This is where I want to come back to pride and insecurity. You know, a lot of times we think, well, if you're proud if you're proud, if you're prideful, you just need to be more down on yourself. You need to we would sort of think the opposite of pride is beating yourself up. Thinking lowly of yourself. But I want to show you that the way forward is the way of not thinking of yourself at all. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not thinking of yourself. You see, when you think about prideful people, and you think about how arrogant they are. and You think about how stuck up they are and you think, okay, well, that's a person who's prideful. And then you see a person with low self-esteem and a person who, you know, just they beat themselves up and you feel bad for them and you think, Oh, man, like that's not prideful or you're not even thinking about the they out there. You're thinking about yourself and you're thinking, I'm not prideful because I beat myself up all the time. I feel awful. I work at just lashing myself over and over because, because, because I feel like a failure because I never feel good enough because I feel like now you notice the word I, I. I See if if we're humble, then we don't have to be so down on ourselves You don't have to tell people. Oh, I'm nothing You don't have to fear failure or being afraid of what other people think or man it's just thinking. Oh man I am no good. You don't have to be all of that because if you're humble, you don't have to be self-absorbed at all And I'm gonna tell you right here right now It's something we all struggle with and we're going to keep on struggling with. And this is likely to be part of the bedrock struggle of your Christian life. For the rest of this life. Because it is so natural and it is so easy and it is such a part of my sin nature to always come back to myself. To be always aware of myself. So if pride is the problem and pride opens the door to all that is toxic in my life, and I'm looking in the mirror and I say, I don't want to be that way. Then what do I need? I need humility to close that door. I need the humility to follow Jesus. And what I want to do is I want to spend the rest of our time today. I want to get practical and I want to show you, what humility will do for you what thinking not of yourself will do for you so i've got 5 ideas for you what does humility do how does humility help what exactly what exactly happens inside me when i choose humility i've got 5 answers to that number 1 humility opens the door for jesus to work in my soul That should seem obvious at this point, but it takes humility to come to Jesus, doesn't it? It takes humility to say he's God and I'm not. It takes humility to admit to yourself that I am the problem. And what that does when I come to Jesus is it opens the door to an ongoing relationship with the God of the universe. It allows the God of the universe access to every part of my life. And what I want is for Jesus to intersect and interact with. Every aspect of my life because if it's got my stamp on it, then you can pretty well guarantee It's got my pride and my insecurity all over it and What I need is for Jesus to come into those places where I feel prideful and where I feel insecure and to be enough in my life and what I need is for this ongoing relationship with Jesus to become so natural and so mature that I realize it's not about me. It's about him, and it's about him in me. Think about what Proverbs will say. Proverbs 22, verse 4 says, Humility is the fear of the Lord, and its wages are riches and honor and life. Proverbs nine ten says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Who is the Lord who is the Holy One? It is, it is certainly God the Father, but it is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is Jesus himself and his Father and his Spirit. Proverbs 14, 27, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life turning a person from the snares of death. The Bible goes on and on, Proverbs three seven, Proverbs one seven, Proverbs eight thirteen, Proverbs ten twenty seven, Proverbs fifteen thirty-three, Proverbs sixteen six, Proverbs nineteen twenty three. They all talk about the fear of the Lord. In fact, Proverbs talks more about the fear of the Lord than almost any other book of the Bible because it comes back over and over and over. You say, well, what is the fear of the Lord? Does that mean that we are to cower in fear of God that we are to be, you know, sort of tap dancing around and tiptoeing around because we're always afraid of who God is. We're always afraid that God might blow up. We're always thinking that God is a bomb waiting to go off, that God has a chip on his shoulder and we are to live in fear. That's not Jesus. Have you read of Jesus? Jesus is graceful and compassionate and merciful and loving. When the Bible speaks of the fear of the Lord, it's talking about worship. It's talking about awe and wonder and joy and beauty. And I I don't want to too quickly move on from the, the concept of realizing that God is way bigger and way more powerful than we understand. But I do want you to know that if Jesus is a God of compassion and mercy and love and grace, then we can wonder at his beauty. And this is about respect and honor for him in our lives. It's acknowledging his authority and willingness to obey his commands. It starts with respecting Jesus enough to want to know his opinion and say, well, what do you think about that, Jesus? And then it's respecting Jesus enough to want to do what he says. You see, this relationship with Jesus is a love relationship. And the fear of the Lord is that love and worship and awe, that wonder, that joy, that amazement of how incredible it is to have Jesus in my life and have Jesus touch all of the different aspects of my life. And contrast that with what we normally do, where we just sort of hide things from Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you over here, but I don't want you in all this stuff over here. The fear of the Lord is really to open up everything to Jesus. And so humility opens the door for Jesus to work in every aspect of my soul. Number two, humility opens the door for change in my behavior. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. You think about the role of humility in our behavior. Humility has a willingness to say, you know what, I might be wrong, or I am wrong. Humility has a willingness To say you know what I need to make a change humility has a willingness to admit I've tried to make a change and I can't on my own and that's why I need God I need Jesus in my life. It is humility that opens the door for correction to my behavior Proverbs 9 9 says instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. How do they add to their learning? How do they become wiser still? Because they change and that becomes a normal part of their behavior to correct and to make a change. And you think about how change happens in your life and mine. You learn from your mistakes. You learn from your poor choices. You learn from your shortcomings and you act different or you don't. And I'm just suggesting that humility opens the door for that change, that learning from our shortcomings is called wisdom. And humility allows for a change of behavior. Biblically, we often call this repentance because it's humility that opens the door for repentance. Repentance is just a change of thinking that comes from a change in my direction. I was going this way and now I'm gonna turn around and go this way and it's gonna change my thinking and that change of thinking is gonna change my behavior. Does that make sense? That's what repentance is all about. Now to be clear, Jesus never needed a change of behavior, but man, I do and humility opens the door for that. Number three, humility opens the door for wisdom in my choices. Humility opens the door for wisdom in my everyday choices. You know, life is often filled with choices. Sometimes you have a choice to make. It can be a small choice. It can be a big choice. It can be a life-altering choice. And humility assumes, you know what, I don't know it all, and I don't have all the answers. And I am not the the library of all wisdom. And so I need wisdom from outside myself. That's what humility will say. And so humility begins to seek wisdom. Wisdom from God and Jesus, his spirit. Wisdom from the Bible about what God says the wise thing to do is. Wisdom from other wise people that I know, people that God has placed in my life. Wisdom from my church and those around me in church wisdom from other spiritual influences in my life come back to the verse we began with proverbs eleven two. when pride comes then comes disgrace but with humility comes wisdom wisdom is so important i was i was reading a book just the other day it's a book called the wisdom pyramid the wisdom pyramid it's by brett mccracken fairly new book This is great. It just got me really to thinking. He writes in the book that wisdom is not knowledge, nor is it information. That it's abundantly clear in the world that we live in a world where we have more knowledge and information than ever, but we have less wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the knowledge gained through all of the education that we have. Wisdom is not merely knowing the right answers. It's about living rightly. It's about determining which right answer is often best. He says a lot of different things here, but I'm gonna see if I can sum it up. He says, wisdom is not a vitamin that you can purchase at CVS. There's no human doctor who can prescribe it, and that is the key. That as the book of James and the Bible puts it true wisdom is from above, not from below that it is God created. It is God given. It is God fearing and it is God oriented. And wisdom is the ability to synthesize, filter, evaluate and apply information in a way that leads to right judgments and overall flourishing that we cannot be wise apart from God, that God is the standard, the definition, the source, and the keeper of wisdom. But it's also knowing that God's not greedy with it, that He's happy to give it if only we ask, as it says in the book of James. That this, however, is the struggle, that asking requires humility, and that we want to believe that we can be wise without God. That to bypass God in pursuit of wisdom is a fast track to folly that just as just ask Adam and Eve <laughs> that only when we begin to acknowledge God and submit to his sovereign rule can we begin to be wise. McCracken says little in this book will make sense unless you accept this premise. And then he, he goes on to break down sources of wisdom, kind of like a food pyramid, if you will. And what he does is he focuses in. Right on the Scripture as the ultimate source of wisdom and the fact that we need sources of wisdom that are good in our lives. And at the top of the pyramid, he puts media and social media and a little little cell phone. He says, look, we tend to get the pyramid upside down, that we rely almost entirely on the things of the world when really we need a wisdom that is long-lasting and life-lasting. I would tell us that humility is often not popular but then again the toxic and the train wrecks the downfalls that come with pride often are I mean pay attention on the highway people love to slow down and look at a wreck, as long as it's not their own that we need sources of wisdom in our lives that last longer than last week or next week and that's all social media ever does but in the end humility offers us the ability to absorb God's wisdom to recognize that I am not the ultimate source of wisdom and Jesus is number four humility opens the door for honor in my future for honor in my future. I'm not a a guy who often teaches that that you just do this and God will give you everything you want. I've never taught that really. But there is this principle in the Bible that humility will lead to honor. Proverbs 29, 23, pride, pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. Proverbs 18, 12, before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Proverbs 3.34, he mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Proverbs 15.33, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You see this principle play out over and over and over in scripture, that there's an honor that only comes with humility to the humble. And the word here, That it uses for honor is actually the word for glory that is used of God that there is a substance to it that is substantial that there is a significance that's attained that you can't earn but to be sure I would tell us we tend to think well I've tried the humble thing before and it didn't work because I didn't get what I wanted who said anything about getting what you wanted? It said that when we choose humility, there's honor. You say, well, I didn't feel very honored because the circumstances, the outcomes didn't turn out with the way that I was honored. I would tell you that your focus is way too short and way too focused on the right here, right now because you don't know what God is saying about you in heaven when you choose humility. And you don't know what will happen for eternity because of the path of humility. But what we do know is when we look at the life of Jesus and we look at the path of humility He chose, we see that it results ultimately in His honor. There's one last thing I want you to see, number five, that humility opens the door for love and grace in my relationships, that humility opens my heart so that there can be love and grace in my relationships. There is no grace and there is no love in pride, but humility opens the door for love and grace. Proverbs 13.10 says, where there is strife, there is pride. Proverbs 14.3, a fool's mouth lashes out with pride. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 21, 24, the proud and arrogant person, mocker is his name. He behaves with insolent fury. This is what's toxic. And its root is pride. And yet if I want relationships that are full of love and grace then what I need is servanthood. What I need, well, it's, think about it, it's humility. We've said this before, quite a while ago, I taught us that the secret to life is love. You know that, I know that. But what most of us don't know is that the secret to love is humility. It's not thinking poorly of yourself, it's not thinking of yourself at all this is what teaching after teaching after teaching in the bible will point us to i think about the book of james over in the new testament that says james three thirteen. who is wise and understanding among you let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom do you hear that humility but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition that's pride in your hearts Do not boast about it or deny the truth for such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthly and unspiritual and demonic for where you have evil and envy and selfish ambition there you find disorder in every evil practice but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and it's peace loving and it's considerate and submissive and full of mercy and good fruit it's impartial and sincere. The peacemakers who sow in peace that reap a harvest of righteousness. Those are all relational terms that speak of how humility leads to better relationships that bitter envy, that selfish ambition do not. This is the Bible will basically tell us don't be a jerk for Jesus. That's where religion often goes wrong. When a person gets self righteous and self holy, and a person begins to love to argue and love to debate and love to fight. 1 Peter 3 8, finally, all of you be like minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Philippians chapter 2. Perhaps no more powerful words were written about this than these words about Christ, That therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if you have any tenderness and compassion, Paul writes to the Philippian church, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind and do nothing. Out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Man, what a powerful reminder that is. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And in your relationships with one another, notice this is about how we treat each other. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who... Being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. One of the translations says he emptied himself, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. Notice the emphasis on humility over and over and over. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, right? That he who humbles himself will be exalted. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That will happen one day. So you get to choose whether you will humble yourself or whether you have to be humbled by God. And here he is telling us the way of Jesus is the way of humility. How does Jesus think? He thinks humbly. How does Jesus act? He acts with humility. Wherever Jesus goes, whatever God does, God is pursuing the humble. And God is looking to move in the humble. And think about it. Would you and I go about what Jesus accomplished in the way that Jesus did? And God, at his very heart, has this sense of self giving love. And how did he come into the world? How did God enter the world in human form? Well, he was born in a manger in a feeding trough. He didn't show up to the important centers of the day. He didn't come to the Romans to overthrow them to change the world. But he was born to a poor family. He was placed in a feeding trough. And he lived his life, Jesus did, as basically a nomad, a homeless person. And by the end, he's betrayed, he's denied, he's deserted. And he dies a death. How would you change the world? I love this from Tim Keller. He says, assume, now Tim Keller pastored in New York City for years and years. He said, assume somebody today in New York City would say, I have a goal. My long-term goal is that 2,000 years from now, I'd like to be the most influential and famous person who ever lived. I'd like for a third of all the people in the world to worship me and build their whole life around me. I'd like to have many, many, many major civilizations completely built on my teachings. I mean, that's a pretty worthy goal, right? He says, if that was your goal, what would your strategy be? How would you get there? How would you go about it? Would you do it the way Jesus did it? Not on your life would you choose it that way? Would you be born in obscurity? Would you studiously avoid ever getting involved in any of the powerful political or economic or academic networks? Would you studiously avoid all that? Would you be killed tragically when your life wasn't even half over yet? Would you think that's the way to become the world's most influential and powerful and life-changing person in the history of the world? No, you wouldn't. But that's how Jesus did it. And he makes, the fool- he makes foolish the wisdom of the world. Because what if he'd done it that way, the way we would have done it? What if he had come as a great philosopher with this great system? Well, then only the people with the really great brains might follow. Only the intellectually strong, right? Right? What if he came in strength and he just lived like many of the other religious founders? He lived this great life and great strength and he said, live like me and you'll be blessed and the morally strong would follow and the rest of us would say, "Mm, that's not for me. What if he came as rich and powerful and the rich and powerful would want to be like him but the rest of us, the poor, the oppressed, would think, "Mm, that's not for me. And the bottom line at the end of the day is that I have a heart as you do that is filled with pride because I have a sense of being consumed with myself. And when I fall short, I just need to remember the gospel that he was humble. That he lived the life I should have lived. That he died the death I should have died. That he is the substitute and that he took my place. That he died on the cross for my sins. And that he came back to life and wants to give me, in spite of my pride, that life. And that he paved the way of humility if only I would follow in his footsteps. I fail every day. And so I need to remember that He took my punishment, but He also gives me the power. Notice the word there the choice, the power to choose not to be powerful, to be humble. power to not think about me at all because he has and because what he thinks of me is already settled. He loves me. He loves you. And that's what matters. It never was about me, It was about Jesus and what Jesus would do in me. So at the end of the day, pride is toxic. And pride opens the door for the toxic in my life. But humility is powerful because it closes the door to the toxic. And it opens the door for everything God wants to do in my life and yours. So all of that said, I always end with two prayers. I guess my question for you is, do you need Jesus today? And do you want to ask him to help you be humble? If you need Jesus today, you can pray the prayer of salvation just like this with me. Dear Jesus. In fact, you want to echo it right now. You can put your arms out. Dear Jesus. Please forgive my sin. I put my faith in you. I trust in you. I ask you to be my God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again and came back to life. And since you're alive, I ask you to take over my life. And make me. Make me. Like you, Jesus, I humble myself. And I don't deserve what you give, but I ask for it. And with deep gratitude, I say thank you. I receive it. Forgiveness, salvation, grace, your presence in my life. Thank you. If you prayed like that, then you were praying in Jesus' name. And I would love to know it. I would love to hear it. You can tell me on your communication card, your digital communication card. You can tell me by emailing me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at com. You can tell me and reach out in any number of ways. Just, just let us know. We'd love to talk with you about what it means to be a part of the family of God. All of that said, I always end with Two prayers. And the second is for those of us who've already prayed the prayer of salvation, it's a prayer of application, a prayer of discipleship. And as a disciple of Jesus, maybe you would pray like this. I know I need to every day. Dear Jesus, please be my source of wisdom. And please detoxify my pride. Be wisdom in every part of my life. Bring your wisdom to my choices. Bring your change to my behaviors. Bring your love and grace to my relationships. In essence, Jesus, in every aspect of my life and every day of my life, help me to choose humility. so that you will not have to humble me. Help me to humble myself and open the door to everything you want to do in my life. Please, Jesus, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. I hope you prayed that with me just now. Because that's a powerful, powerful prayer. And we all need it. So as we continue to series on toxicity in our lives, and we continue to talk about how to detox our souls, next week, I sure hope you'll be back, we'll talk about how to detox our hurry. Because it's another aspect of our lives that so often brings the toxic back to our lives. But in the meantime, I want you to remember this. Jesus loves you, and so do we. You are loved, my friends. I'll see you soon.